There it is, wherever you are, whenever you are, and however you happen to be listening. We're so glad you've chosen to tune in on this Cyber Monday to DLC. Hey, are you getting back on that horse? Are you one of our geeks and sneaks working off your holiday weekend gorge fest? We're going to be with you for 90 plus minutes giving you that gaming goodness because DLC is your downloadable commentary for the week delivered the way we love it to be. And that's completely free thanks to our sponsor this week. Squarespace. Squarespace! They made that possible, bringing the show to you. DLC, of course, the show all about gaming in its many forms. Games played on desktops, laptops, and consoles, and also games that involve dice, luck, and cardboard. I'm your host, Jeff Kanata, which is spelled with two N's and one T, and I'm joined, as always, by my friend, slash co-host, slash nemesis. The guy whose Cyber Monday is always followed by Taco Tuesday. Mr. Christian Spicer. Hello, Christian. Hey, what's up? Uh, up top, I'll be in San Francisco on the 5th doing a guest set at uh, Cynic Cave in Lost Weekend Video. So if gamers are there for PSX and you can sneak away the evening of the 5th, um, come hang out. I'm doing a little guest set, but it's a dope show. And then hopefully PSX is a dope show too. But uh, I don't know. I'm nervous. This week is it's slow right now, but Game Awards and then PSX, whoo, it's happening. Oh my gosh, yeah, it, it is happening. Also, we should say right at the top, if we're going to do plugs, uh, it's looking like DLC is going to be at PAX South at the end of January. Uh, yeah. looks like we're going to have a panel on Friday. So if you have a three-day pass or a Friday pass, I know there are Friday passes still available. Man, it would be awesome if you came out to our panel and uh, said, said what's up. I think it's going to be a real fun one. Yeah, I have some merch that I'll be selling of um, random stuff that I find in my carry-on. <laughs> carry on merch lint i haven't um, emptied out this bag in weeks who wants it <laughs> hey i'm so excited uh, about this episode uh, you know dlc is always your downloadable canada and your downloadable christian but this week world man it's awesome because once again dlc also stands for dipping into the liquid of chris because we have host producer writer for GameSpot, and now published author of the gamers bucket list Returning to solidify his friend of the show status, Mr. Chris Waters. Oh, Chris. hello, everybody. Welcome back, buddy. Oh, I'm very excited, and I still get chills whenever you say that published author thing, because it's still really new and really, really cool. Yeah, <laughs> man. Congratulations on that. Uh, Thank your you. book is uh, The Gamer's Bucket List, The yeah. 50 Video Games to Play Before You Die. Mm-hmm. Uh, pretty awesome. We're going to actually talk about that. We're going to have a whole segment devoted to it because I think it's a pretty juicy topic. We'll we'll talk about that right after the news. But um, but congrats, man! You can. How can people find out more about that book or purchase that book? Oh, you can uh, go ahead to Amazon. Just find it as the Gamers Bucket List. It ships in all territories. Uh, it's on you know Canada, UK. Also, uh, if anyone people have sent me sort of copies that they've ordered pictures on Twitter. My Twitter handle is c t w a t t e r s. Uh, but no one has sent me yet a picture of this thing existing in an actual store, and I know it's out there. I know some Barnes and Nobles have them. The first person to send me a picture of that will earn untold accolades and possibly secret prizes. Oh, wow! Look at that, yeah. laying it down right here. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So get on mm-hmm. that, people. Uh, that sounds cool. Um, I'm excited to talk about that, but we have to start the show the way we always do, and that is with story of the week. Story of the week, it's the story of the week. Story of the week, it's the story of the week. Story of the week is the part of the show where we make our case for the most important stories that happened in the world of games this week. Uh, you can always submit stories for our consideration using our hashtag DLCSOTW 
or by visiting our subreddit, which is 5x5dlc.reddit.com. Also, we love getting feedback at dlcfeedback at gmail.com. That's the email address to send stuff in. I got a lot of really cool emails this week. We're going to hit a bunch of them during tabletop time because people were telling me about their Thanksgiving family tabletopping. Uh, we also got some cool feedback about uh, some of the stories we had last week. Thank you all for sending that in to dlcfeedback at gmail.com. But Chris, as our guest, you get first pick of news stories. So uh, what would you consider to be your story of the week? My story of the week? Uh, mm-hmm. That is, I mean, you know, there's certain news stories that come out and really touch on the sort of the zeitgeist of video gaming and really just let you know that something important is happening. And for me, that's the fact that there's going to be a downloadable cake topper coming to Rocket League as part of a portal <laughs> promotion. <laughs> uh, the Rocket, the, the weekly Rocket League, we're brilliant, and we've come up with some new way to make our game relevant to end and hit on some cool t- cultural touchstone. Story. I love it. I'm a sucker for it big time. Uh, but, you know, that's, that's a little bit in jest. Uh, as much as I love strapping a potato to the top of my car and scoring aerial goals, uh, something which I plan to do, uh, let's talk about like some sa- let's talk about this Black Friday situation. Okay. Because... Yeah, we, we had Black Friday uh, this last week, which is the day when everyone buys things, I guess. Uh, so, so we have to report on who buys what. Mm-hmm. And it seems like there were a lot, like consoles were like three hundred bucks, two ninety nine, you know. So like leveling the playing field because I think you could like three hundred bucks seems to be the, kind of the sweet spot where you know bundles and and incentives were going. So I think that the Wii U, you know, you could get Super Smash Brothers and Splatoon, but and the thirty two gig for for three hundred. For the Xbox One now, you can get like. Uh, $60 credit towards something in the Microsoft Store, plus a free game if you get a bundle, and it's all for 300 Like That seems to be the price point now. Uh, how do you guys think these, these games did, or these different consoles did? Well, it's interesting. There's been some reporting um, from different agencies, uh, purchase trackers uh, of different types. Info, Info Scout is one that came out with a report on the gaming industry, and really uh, consumers in general of what people were buying on Black Friday. Uh, it's it's a relatively small sample size. They they reported on 250,000 receipts that they were able to track. Uh, and their, their uh, yeah, determination... Do you, a, do you want a receipt with your purchase? Uh, no, thank you. Uh, we'll take that receipt, <laughs> We'll please. take your receipt. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think that's a pretty small sample size, you know, 250,000. It's it's not tiny, but it's, it's, you know, they're extrapolating a lot of information here. Their result was that the uh, the PS4 was the big winner, selling about... 44% of, of total uh, console sales over the, the day. Uh, but then, you know, there's this sort of ancillary bit of news that Target.com put out that Nintendo picked up on big time and put out a big press release that Target.com said their number one thing that was sold on Target.com was the Wii U. Uh, they says the top selling item on Target.com. Um, so I, I guess we're, you know, kind of conflicting things, or maybe just everybody did well, although nobody's talking about the Xbox. So I don't know how to parse this information. It's a lot of people predicting or uh, claiming that, that things did well. I hope it just means that all of the consoles did well and the gaming industry is doing well. Um, what's your take, Chris? Yeah, that like this is this holiday season. It's like all the consoles are a great buy. You know, yeah. I mean, you know, with the 
sort of PS4 and Xbox One reaching a point where there are there is like a buttload of great games for each one and the price sort of coming down to the 300 mark. It seems like I mean, I myself has been, have been asked for recommendations like for people buying consoles or putting it on their gift lists. And to one to my brother-in-law, I recommended the PS4 and to my friend, I recommended the Wii U. You know, like uh, I think at this point, there's no it seems like we sort of reached parity in terms of what is a which one you're going to be satisfied with. And I'd be hard pressed to say that even, you know, we didn't talk about the Xbox one, but like that's a great buy, too. You know, like yeah. I think we're sort of at that point where they are all strong recommendations for the holiday. In, in, indeed, I completely agree. Um, Christian, do you think there's some good news for Nintendo being the Target.com's number one Wii U's number one seller? No, I mean, <laughs> I don't No, not at all. I mean, I'm glad it sold well. Um, I took the plunge and, and bought a copy of Splatoon. Um, I had game flight it before and, you know, I liked it and I, it was what, 25 bucks, I think at Walmart, something like that. So that and a Darth Maul, um, <laughs> Disney infinity 3.0 figure who I still think is one of the best character designs of any character in the star Wars universe. Um, were my Black Friday purchases. I mean, I'm, I hope people are happy with the console. I think that bundle was a good one. I, and I think it's a great console with six to eight, maybe ten really awesome games on it. But this isn't something that Nintendo all of a sudden pushes a button and stops NX production. They're not like, never mind, we did it. <laughs> <laughs> we got the target. We hit our target. <laughs> no, 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 sir. That was just target.com. Don't talk to me, Brad. We hit the target. Um, but I'm, you know, whatever. It's good. It's great. But no, this doesn't change the tide for Nintendo in any way, shape, or form, right? I mean, there's no way it can. I agree. I, but I'm, I'm glad. I, you know, there's great Wii U games and people should be playing them. So, and, and there's great Xbox games. And I'm just hoping that it just meant there was a lot of great deals, as Chris brought up. Right? What about what about? Are there any great PlayStation games, Jeff? You said great Wii U. You said great Xbox, and then you just stopped. Well, there are obviously great PlayStation games because they're mm-hmm. the third party games that are on all the all the consoles mm-hmm. <laughs> that's what those are mm-hmm. uh, i'm still kind of itching to play the uncharted uh remake remaster collection and i have it i know it is Can yours is it? yours to play whenever you want sweet yeah sounds great uh deal made all right be- best disc, black so friday deal I've, I've come across you don't want to go for some rise of the tomb raider to get your uh sort of nathan drakey fix oh i've just finished that <laughs> oh there we go and uh almost complete almost 100 percent of it i think i 80 something percent of it but uh, and i'm tempted to go back and like shoot targets and cut down rabbits and stuff <laughs> the, the kind of busy work bits that i skipped over it's phenomenal it's triple, oh, hunt, triple arrow hunting could That's be its best, own like right? game, right? <laughs> yeah. Oh my god. Um, Christian, how about you? What do you got for a uh, story of the week? Yeah, it's a slow news week, right? I mean, I think the Black Friday thing is is my personal favorite, but there's a uh, footage floating around again from the canceled Avengers game that yeah, was supposed dude. to come out, and yeah. this had been this had been around before, so people have probably seen this, but I think I want to shed light on it because of the awesome work that. Um, unseen 64 does they really put together some really cool videos where they take maybe uh video clips that you've seen before but they put it together and they, and they produce their own video with narration and talking points and they do some really cool investigative and digging work too to give you a little more insight than just like here's leaked footage but uh yeah it was know. a thq game it became a first person um Sorry. yeah it looked interesting but to, it will, it will uh, never be it will never be Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you there. I was just going to comment on your – I think the video is a little overproduced. But you're talking about this cool video that came out um, talking about this THQ game that was going to be this Avengers game that was going to be first person. And it had this leaked footage. 
I, this to me is the most interesting story that came out this week too, because uh, I want to, I want this game. I want to, I want to play this game. That footage looked rad. First person team based kind of shooter, but I think a lot of a brawler as well, even though it's in first person, you, the initial four characters you can play as are Captain America, Iron Man, Thor, and the Hulk uh, with uh, black widow and Hawkeye and war machine unlockable later in the game. Theoretically, this game had ever been made. Uh, but the but the sort of target footage, the test footage that they showed in first person of this team-based shooter, this team-based first-person squad game where you can do these cool setup, like you can uh, – there was one part where Hulk hit the ground and three enemies flew up into the air and then it triggered Iron Man to be able to shoot them with rockets as they were in the air because of the, the cool combo setup and knockdown thing. Man, this looked awesome. Just the idea, just the the image of this first person view with Hulk hands <laughs> as in your HUD uh, just made me wish that this was a real thing. Um, it looked very mirrors edgy in terms of like movement, and there was some minor platform, but yeah, you saw your arms coming into frame a lot. And I think holding Captain were, America's shield there in front yeah. of you, so rad. I think what they were going for was ambitious. Of course, THQ, the company, went away. I. This type of game makes me a little nervous. Like if it came out, like what? Um, how repeatable is that fun? Because I think that's the hard part of brawlers in the modern age is just running up to a guy and mash, 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 mash. Doesn't quite have the same longevity that it used to. But um, it was certainly a creative take on you know the traditional brawler formula of isometric or third person or whatever. Chris, did you get a chance to see this footage? I'm checking it out now, and to be honest, like the whole association of like THQ game and licensed superheroes really has this feeling of like mid like 2005 to 2008 era, like trying to make like these sort of HD open worlds like really work in a way, and all, but just feeling like the freshest game on the block is not the is not like the Hulk version. It's Crackdown, you know? Like yeah. I don't know. I feel like this. This kind of thing, it also reminds me a little bit of, um, you know, Christian, or sorry, uh, Jeff, when you were talking about the, the comboing of abilities and how it sort of sets up those things, mm-hmm. the Marvel Ultimate Alliance series, yeah. uh, which is sort of that isometric kind of beat-em-up uh, game, you know, they had, I think, maybe two that were pretty popular back in, like, 2007, 2009. Uh, those games, I, ne- I never really got into them. I don't know if it's uh, my own, like, I don't have this sort of burning uh, superhero sort of association fandom kind of thing. But I also just kind of feel that like the best superhero, the the things that I end up gravitating towards as superhero games are games that are not made up and beholden to any kind of license or abilities, Mm -hmm. but are games like infamous, uh, you know, even games like just cause three, like these are games that you feel like a superhero because you can do all these wonderful things. um, But they're not sort of, bound by like well and captain america can't do that he's really just a shield and a real athletic guy you know kind of thing i think you're right i mean i think that infamous second son is one of the best superhero games ever made and it's not really a superhero game um but that doesn't mean i wouldn't love to play this this cool first person view uh you know marvel avengers game i think that it just looked so different a different take on those heroes, and um, it just makes me sad that it's it never happened. Um, but I'm glad we get at least got a chance to see this idea, and maybe the idea will be will catch on somewhere. Well, man, it's not like Marvel's going away anytime soon, it's so uh, you know, don't give <laughs> up hope. Right. Um, all right, guys. Let's. Uh, there's not too much news here, so let's get into the meaty stuff. Let's talk about your book, Chris. 
Yeah, that book, that meat book I wrote. Yeah, book about meat. Well, Super Meat Boy is in it, so I guess it is a book about meat in a way. That's true. I had to write about meat something. You got to get meat <laughs> in there somehow. Uh, this, again, is called The Gamer's Bucket List, and uh, 50 games, you say, uh, are the essential games to play if you're a gamer. Actually, my favorite part of the book, honestly, is uh, there's like an addendum where you give like a quick history of video games, um, uh-huh. and that is just so cool. It's a concise, like really smart smartly written um review of just where video games came from i think that's pretty cool in and of itself um thanks jeff i didn't write that part oh yeah (laughs) oops (laughs) no i'm just kidding Uh, i sort of collaborated with uh some of the people at the publisher about that because that was fun fact that was actually like a a later addition to the book because the it wasn't quite long enough to like get a certain spine thickness i Uh. guess these are like interesting sort of uh Things, I mean, I've been in digital media my whole career, right? So getting into the physical media and like, all right, you have to, you know, really think about, well, what is what is actually printing a full page of screenshots do to like the, the, the warping of the page, you know, or anything like that and stuff like, like these sort of very physical, practical considerations. That was one of them. But yeah, I think that is kind of just a neat little tour of like, wow, the technology that has, you know, created the video games that we love now over the years has been pretty fascinating. Totally. Yeah, no, it's a cool little bonus. Uh, but the meat of the book is, as you said, the 50 games you need to play. Um, I'm certain that it was a difficult process. Your forward talks about how hard it was coming up with things and some rules that you made for yourself. Can you talk about how you selected the 50 games that you came up with? Oh, yeah. Uh, so you got you to gotta make some rules. <laughs> Otherwise, your brain just falls out trying to make a list of 50 games because lord knows there's been a a few more than that that have been fun to play or important in some way or very memorable um so i basically started by thinking like okay what do i want this book to be when i want when, when someone picks up this book what kind of experience do i want them to have and what i came down to was i want them to pick this up turn to any page read about a game understand why that game is like a a great game to play and where it sort of fits in the, you know, what kind of unique experience, or not so, not necessarily unique, but what kind of experience it offers within the diverse swath of video gaming, which is like just an incredible amount of diversity. And to also, if they think like, hey, I want to play this now, that's going to be like reasonably attainable for them. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, I had a incredible time playing Pac-Man Versus on the GameCube, but you needed a GameCube and a Game Boy Advance and four GameCube controllers. Like that, I tried to steer a little bit away from stuff that was like a required too much old hardware or b just was was pretty hard to find. Yeah, I definitely uh felt that reading the list cuz there's no, you know, there's no Galaga, there's no uh you know, you don't need an emulator to play a lot of these. Most of them are relatively recent picks, but also so you know, big deal picks, but you also picked a bunch of uh, you know, independent games. There's, it's not. This is not just the, sort of the what is the best-selling game in the last ten years list. Um, it looks like you, you know, you have some real favorites in here. Uh, are there any? That was games? another thing that I sort of came around to, right? Like this, ultimately, like okay, this is this is my book. Like I'm writing this. I'm not, mm-hmm. you know, this is not in my capacity as a Gamespot editor. I don't, you know, after years of having these sort of game of the year discussions and collaborative discussions where you sort of have to justify and balance uh, the kind of evaluations you're making. Like, this one's all me, baby. I can just pull whatever I want. So, like, I chose a lot of games that are near and dear to my heart and games that I partic- have a particular love for. Uh, and so that's why you'll see, for example, 
Rocket League in there. Uh, right. But I also, you know, I don't just write. The write-up isn't just like, this game is one of Chris's favorites. He really liked it a lot. You should play it. Go on. You know, <laughs> I justify it. Well, can you say some of the games that didn't make the list that were really hard for you to not include? Oh, man. What really? So, yeah, like a lot of the games, like you mentioned Galaga, like I was looking for, uh, I realized I was looking for some of the sort of this arcade experience, like uh, that I wanted to to harken back to, um, you know, the way that arcades defined decades of gaming and were, you know, the incubators for uh, the home consoles that we now enjoy so much. And, uh, you know, where's my, like, Street Fighter? Where's my Galaga? Where's my, like, X-Men with four players? Like, these are games that sort of loom large in my in my memory. Um, but they also, you know, like, you can probably find Galaga wherever. There's plenty of versions of Street Fighter. But, like, I I don't know. Like, I, I for a fighting game experience, I think that's one that I sort of didn't, like, I have Smash Brothers in there. And I have mm-hmm. Nidhogg in there. Like, there's no doubt that those games involve like pitting yourself directly against someone else in a game. But you know, they're not Street Fighter, they're not Tekken, they're not uh, Mortal Kombat. A lot of these series that have been so beloved by people. So that was a tough one uh, to leave sort of one of those out. Definitely noticed that there was no Street Fighter. Um, <laughs> I looking over these 50 games, there are only two that I have not played. What about nice. you, Christian? How, how did you check out the list? There's more than two that I have not played. I would say there's a there's a decent chunk, but I'm also I don't mind that I haven't played Surgeon Simulator 2013. No offense, but it, <laughs> I mean I think that's the beauty of this list. My question to you, we don't need to dive into it now, just to throw it out there though. Like I know this is your list, but like come on, part of you is like this is going to be a little controversial. Surgeon Simulator. Oh yeah, Kerbal that's... Space Program. Like come Those on, are, these you are... just named the two I haven't played: Surgeon Simulator <laughs> and Kerbal Space Program. Are the only two on the list I haven't played. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. And you, you know, you leave out a Castlevania and put that on there. You're going to hear about it on Twitter, and I already have. Uh, <laughs> you know, the game's been out. The book's been out a week. Um, yeah, yeah. I definitely made some choices in there that I was like, look, I. Part of me wants this to sort of represent, you know, the Titans and explain why they're so great. Your Halo, your Half Life Two, uh, Tetris, Minecraft. You know, but I also I want there to be an, an element of discovery in here so that even, you know, you guys who, like, you have, had, have heard of all these games, but, like, there's going to be stuff that you haven't played here, and maybe you read about it and, like, think, okay, like, maybe I'm interested in it. Or maybe you read about it and you're like, okay, Chris, like, this was, you really should have included X game. Um, but, yeah, it was, you know, with any list making, you're going to exclude some games that people are, are that are super they're super passionate about not not so true. i just kind you of like haven't read my book chris it's called the complete total bucket list of games every game <laughs> ever made and it's just uh <laughs> you know someone asked me about a book that like is that was like the thousand and one games to play before you die and like did you did you like consult that did you look through that I'm like no a thousand and one like come on like you like i don't know it feels like part of what was writing this book was like fun for me was not just revisiting and writing about games that like, oh yeah, that game, wow, that game was really awesome, cool. But uh, making those choices and being like, you know what, I think it'll be it'll be interesting to have this one in there instead of, you know, a legion of other choices. So Jeff, my question to you is, and we don't need to reveal, you know, I know you and I are, and I'm sure Chris, everybody's kind of putting together their faves of the year, game of the year. Um, 
But to what extent, Jeff, do you struggle with recency in terms of doing a, a list like this? I know when we did our March Madness, you know, Tetris kept coming back up. Well, Tetris, I, I want to congratulate Chris for putting Tetris on this list. Because we <laughs> determined that Tetris is objectively the greatest video game ever made. Yeah, so, that's accurate. Yeah. Uh, so go ahead, Christian. What? Oh, no, but like, so how do you deal, Jeff, with, with, you know, when you put together your catalog of favorites or whatever, comprehending or putting your head around recency in terms of like right now, you know, oh my God, Rise of the Tomb Raider is the best game I ever played, but you flash back to 1998 and you're playing Metal Gear Solid for the first time and Psycho Mantis is rocking your world, but 20 other games have come out and done that same moment better since then. Like, how do you, you know, you're a professional critic and reviewer. How do you handle that kind of stuff in your head? It's hard, right? Because uh, games are iterative and also technology improves. So this is a one, you know, it's not like a book that you read in 2016 is going to be technologically better than a book that was written in, you know, 1500. (laughs) It's the same technology. It's, It's just how words are put together and the story that's told. So you can sort of compare them on an equal playing field. And with video games, it's hard to say, well, Rise of the Tomb Raider is sort of objectively more sophisticated than Tomb Raider 2 was on the PlayStation, right? Um, And it's hard to compare those on a one-to-one. And I think I always say my favorite video game of all time is Ultima 7. Now, does Skyrim and Fallout 4 do what Ultima 7 did better because it, it's able to create a more vivid, realistic world? Heck yeah. But the feeling that I had when I played Ultima 7 will never be rivaled. Um, so I think I think that I, I actually really like what Chris has done here because it really it's a list, it's a fifty it's a list of fifty games to play that you can go play right now. You could you could go play all of these. There's ways to play all of them, and not too difficult uh, to get your hands on them. Uh, so I think that's a pretty cool thing. And I think that, yeah, I mean, uh Half-Life is a pretty groundbreaking game, but Half-Life 2 is the better game to put on the list, right? So it, 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 it makes sense in a lot of ways. Are you worried, Chris, that to some extent polygonal games maybe won't have the staying power of sprite games that have already lasted? Like when you, know, you look at a house, um, a craftsman has been beautiful for 100 years, and now you look at like a modern house that's maybe like the square, white, kind of boxy, everything's angular design that seems to be the fad, at least here in L.A. and um, in New York with new construction. And will that stand the test of time where you know – you know, no, no, that Super Mario World will look beautiful forever because it's looked beautiful for 20 years. Whereas The Last of Us and The Last of Us Remastered, one of my favorite games ever, like, is that just going to be hot garbage 10 years from now? Because we just won't understand how we thought this looked good. How does this even look like a person? His <laughs> eyes aren't even tracking the enemies uh, accurately. Like, he's not looking where he's <laughs> aiming. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, that was something I sort of encountered when I was, I had this huge spreadsheet of like, Okay, this game is in this genre. It's like roughly a triple A or indie or something in between. It's uh, on this platform it debuted, you know, this uh, this year. Uh, and there were like, like the N64 was a huge system in my history and a huge system in sort of video game history. But like, I don't, I don't think there's a single N64 game on here. I mean, I put The Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time here, but I put Ocarina of Time 3D because the 3DS version of that like livens up that game and makes it uh, so much more vibrant and palatable. Like, Ocarina of Time, the original, looks pretty drab currently. And 
you know, you think about a game like GoldenEye, which was super influential in terms of console shooters, and like that thing is so difficult to play now. It's not fun. That you want to ruin a memory, go play GoldenEye Double <laughs> Seven. Like, like so. I, you know, that is a that is a point that I definitely considered. Like, okay, you know, because yeah, it almost feels like okay, the the sprite stuff is a little more timeless just by nature of the restrictions. It what they weren't sort of butting up against computing power. Uh, as they were with the early polygonal, early you know, three-dimensional worlds. You know, there's Mario 64. Is not it was incredible, but I put Mario Galaxy 2 on here because it's sort of that natural, uh, you know, and it, it looks incredible and is more accessible and stuff like that. But yeah, you know, any list is gonna sort of go out of date. Like even now, like Metal Gear Solid 5, Fallout 4. Like how many games have come out in the past? Like two months that I would have definitely considered Rise of the Tomb Raider, you know, to, yeah. to get on this list, but I had to have the list locked up by Labor Day, so uh, what are you going to do? That's why I think... Interesting I'm, question ahead, from... Jeff. Sorry. Interesting question from the chat room. Um, Stats1 asked if you have done any statistical analysis um, with the, with your list to, to know, if, you know, if there's a console that shows up more often, if there's a game producer that shows up more often. Have you done any kind of stats... Uh, I mean, aside from the loose categorization that I had just described that I was kind of trying to, um, that was more to cast the net wide in terms of genre that I, I ended up using that, not necessarily. Um, and then a little bit in terms of year, you know, I recognized I was getting towards the end of the list and I was like, wow, this is this, this list skews heavily modern and it still does. Um, but I wanted, I wanted to put in some things that were more representative of, uh, you know, earlier, earlier experiences in sort of the home console timeline. Um, but no, I haven't really done anything too in depth about like, you know, how many rockstar games show up on here? How many, uh, you know, what if there are studios that are represented more often, I think the answer is there are two rockstar games. Yeah. But, yeah. Red uh, Dead and GTA five. Yeah. But, um, yeah, no, I haven't gotten too in depth into that, but that would be intriguing. Very cool, man. Well, congratulations again on being a published author. Uh, are you are you hooked now? Are you going to be Are you going to buy a little cabin in the woods and go off and start writing your your great American novel? Yeah, ask me when I actually get paid for this thing, which hasn't <laughs> happened yet. <laughs> uh, no, I mean there I, there was definitely some something that I really liked about it, and I got to tell you, holding a physical copy of the book in my hands for the first time was a really special moment. Uh, this is this is a weird, it's kind of a weird book to write, you know. In, in some ways, it's like okay, like I have friends who've like written novels, and now I, I wrote like a list. Okay, <laughs> but you know, I feel like in some ways along the process, I was like, okay, like take it easy, Chris. Like this isn't a real book that you're writing, man. But then holding it, like reading through some of the stuff I wrote, like I'm really proud of it, and that's a it's a pretty special feeling, and it's definitely yeah, definitely something I might look into uh, trying to recapture in the future. Well, I have an it's idea great. for a game based off this book. Ooh, now we're talking. <laughs> Just so it can get in the book for the next uh, iteration, <laughs> the next edition. <laughs> oh, man. Thing, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. I was just uh, going to say, uh, I think the coolest thing about it is that it's, it's, it's a snapshot of 2015, right? It's like, here's 50 games you should play right at the second, and you're going to be able to look back on, on this in five years and 10 years, and, and I think it'll be a really interesting snapshot of that time. There's my book idea right there. There you go. <laughs> Retrospective. <laughs> Where I went wrong and what I got right. The Chris Waters bucket list story. 
<laughs> oh god how self-indulgent can you get that sounds like the intro for like a dateline or 2020 you know like talking over the crime scene that happened <laughs> <laughs> it was 2015 <laughs> oh, well guys uh you know if you did want to do that and you wanted to make a website to showcase that idea our sponsor is there to help you uh, you guys have heard me talk about Squarespace. I think Squarespace is the perfect place to go if you want to make a website about 50 games to play, your 50 game list, compare your list to Chris's, or even put a little time capsule together so you have something to compare to Chris's book at some point. Squarespace is really the place to go if you have any idea that should be online, whether it's a a portfolio or a website or even an online store. It's so easy to make an online store with Squarespace because every site comes with a plug-and-play, drag-and-drop plug-in that gives you a storefront. Really, really cool. Uh, and you have all kinds of other options as well. You can really make a beautiful website using Squarespace's tools so easily you don't have to know anything about HTML. It's all what you see is what you get. You just create your site. They have templates to start with, but it's so easy to, to iterate on that and to make something that doesn't look like everything else on the web. I have been using Squarespace for years. I have uh, my own website, jeffcanada.com is housed on Squarespace. It's a solid, secure place. So many people online trust Squarespace. They offer 24-7 support. They have uh, just so many tools at your disposal. And you can try everything out without even putting a credit card in. Uh, Talk about a Cyber Monday deal. Oh my gosh. How about a completely free trial? Get your complete run of Squarespace without having to give them any kind of credit card that's going to be automatically charged at all. You just make what you like, make a site, get it to be how you want it to be, and then decide whether or not you want to pay for it. And if you do want to pay for it, we're going to help you out. Because you listen to this show, if you go to squarespace.com slash DLC and then use the promo code Jeff sent me, we're going to hook you up. We're going to give you 10% off your order. Uh, this is great. You're going to get uh, the it's about eight bucks a month and you get a free domain name if you buy Squarespace for a year and uh, 10% off with our promo code. You can't go wrong with that. Squarespace.com slash DLC. The promo code Jeff sent me all one word. J-E-F-F-S-E-N-T-M-E. Get 10% off your order and uh, show Squarespace that you listen to DLC, which is a huge help for us as well. Uh, all right, dudes, uh, let's move on now to our playlist. I know I've been saying it for the last few weeks, but man, this is my favorite time of the year because our playlists are all so jam-packed with awesome stuff. Um, you know what I want to do? For the month of December, I want to start off the playlist with one simple question to our guests. Christian and I are going to be doing our Game of the Year lists uh, at the end of the year. But for all of December, as we lead up to that, I want to know from our guests. Now, I know Just Cause 3 is coming out today or tomorrow. Um, Rainbow Six Siege is coming out. So we got, you know, got some contenders in there. But as of right now, Chris, tell me what your Game of the Year is. My Game of the Year as of right now? Yeah. Rocket League. Rocket League. That's a solid choice. Oh my goodness. I've been playing that so, so regularly for so many months, and I still love it so much. And you can, now you're going to have a potato on the top of your car, so that's, everybody wins. Even better! <laughs> um, 
so you've been playing that a ton. That's on your playlist, uh, and you don't see any end in sight, right? You just, just that's going to be your, kind of your go-to. It is absolutely my go-to, and also like I, I think it definitely helps. This is one of the big benefits I get about working in an office with people who play games. Is like five thirty rolls around, and most days of the week we're going to play a few matches of Rocket League before we go home. Like there, we have enough people that you can always get two or three to like join in with you, or even one, and you just go play doubles. Like. That's been a huge boon to my appreciation of the game, but just in terms of like, I don't know, I could wax rhapsodic about Rocket League for the whole show, but that's not what this show is about. <laughs> so what else have you been playing? Uh, all right, so this weekend, I uh, had some family in town, so I didn't get to play too much, but I've been playing that Fallout 4. Yeah. Uh, Sasha has been adventuring through the wasteland. Uh, I've got a charisma character. She, uh, I like to like wear fashionable sunglasses and like not wear some crazy raider helmets so that when i blast people in the vat slow motion i look like a total badass yeah uh-huh and uh i also like have been getting to the level where i can reliably pacify creatures now oh nice and and raiders and so but <laughs> with raiders i i can pacify them but i can't yet tell them to like attack someone else or like just get the hell out of my face so basically they just stand there with their arms up and then I have to kill them. <laughs> oh, that's, that's <laughs> it's so, so brutal. But you know, I look good doing it, and I pull out my little snub nose pistol that I named Lucille. Uh, she does the dirty work for me, and it's it's quick and painless. You know, I'm, so, I'm not heartless. So you, you're high charisma. You've clearly been investing in charisma perks. Mm-hmm. I love that. Uh, what what other things can you tell me about your character? Is it are you you know you're all charisma, or you got like some luck in there as well, or anything? I'm starting to move into intelligence a little bit, but I actually sort of specced all the way into charisma as part of like a feature we worked on here at GameSpot. Um, so yeah, like basically anyone who ever offers me a job, I'm just like, pay me more money. And they're like, <laughs> yep, no problem. You got it. And like any dude in conversation who's like trying to talk down to me, I just totally work them over with conversation dialogue. I like, I've run them off. Sometimes they just flee in terror. It's it's so, so satisfying. It's <laughs> awesome, uh, man. I've been mixing it around with companions a little bit. I've been on a Piper kick lately. Uh, but uh, I think, and I did some Nick Valentine for a while. Oh, I'm all Nick be- Valentine all the time, baby. Yeah, you know, I feel, like, I feel like I see a, you and Valentine in a kindred spirit. Like, I think, you know, next year, like, if Fallout had come out in, like, the spring, you would be Nick Valentine for Halloween. Yeah, like, no, definitely. If I could figure out a way to peel my face off, I would be all Nick Depp Valentine for Halloween. It would be amazing. <laughs> Only it's a small obstacle. Anyway, <laughs> if you believe it, you can achieve it. My, I got to, uh, I, I hung out with Nick Valentine so much. I did his um, his quest. I mean, I guess these are spoilers, but not really. I'm not going to be specific about stuff. But um, he uh, and, and I got to the point where I think it says something like Nick Valentine adores you or something like that. Like he... It, the ultimate <laughs> way that the person can feel about you is, this, is how he feels about me. He idolizes you or something like that. Yeah, it's like that fable, like hearts are just bursting out of his head. He's wounding <laughs> yeah. over you. <laughs> I was like, oh, I awesome. love the idea of a character with charisma but no intelligence. So, like, your character doesn't even know what she's doing, but it all just works out every time. It's like Donald they don't... Trump. <laughs> charisma but no intelligence. She, just, she doesn't understand the complexity of the conversation, but it's just like, more money? Uh, and they're like, yes. <laughs> oh, of course. Of course. Yeah. Oh, man. That's so awesome. Um, what else? What else you got going on? 
Uh, I've been, uh, you know, so I basically, you know, mostly I'm on uh, a console. I play on PC at work, and then I've got, I play, I have like one game running on my iPhone at any given time. And uh, currently that game is Downwell. Have you guys heard of this? I haven't. So basically, you just fall down a well for all the levels. And it's kind of like a little platformer shooter. You like, you can move left and right, and you can shoot. But you only shoot down, and uh, shooting down kind of arrests your plummet progress. Um, and you can get different weapons that sort of, you know, fire in different spreads and whatnot. And uh, it's very, very difficult. It's, uh, you know, you sort of gain abilities as you survive levels and stuff, but I've never, I'm not survived past like the fifth level or something yeah, like supposedly that. Supposedly there's an end, right? Like, there I don't is know if an I end, it, but there's an end. I know because my coworker, Mary Kish, has reached it. Uh, oh, crap. But she was playing on PC, uh, which, you know, with a con- controller, which I think is a little easier, but still, but that, still. Is an, that, is, <laughs> that is a significant accomplishment. Uh, so I've been kind of digging that one. Um, not sure if it's quite scratching that, like, uh, spelunky itch, as some people have compared it to, but uh, I'm 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 digging it. It's a nice uh, little quick shooter because I've been sort of I, before that I was doing the Lara Croft Go thing, um, which was much more methodical, and so I I like the the quick reaction that it requires. People love that Lara Croft Go. Are you one of the people that loves that game? I liked it a lot. I'm not gonna go full love on that one. Uh, I thought there were some really clever puzzles in there, and like it definitely was enjoyable to play. Um, but in terms of uh, sort of, I won't be too exuberant about it because I thought it was like just a real good puzzle game. Yeah. Well, it was tough too because you know you move for one piece at a time, and I saw Fallout 4's launch coming right at me, and I couldn't move her out of the way. It just, uh... <laughs> <laughs> there it is. It's barreling down on you. Well done. Oh no, Laura. There was a snake behind me, and no, I couldn't go left. And I was like, no, more people should play Rise of the Tomb Raider, and then just Fallout just ran me over. <laughs> Game over, over, man. That's it. What can you do? Don't stand on the tracks when the Fallout 4 is coming through. Oh, choo-choo. You've also been playing Rainbow Six Siege, right? Yeah, I've been uh, played it at some preview events, and I've played it in the beta uh, recently. Um, and this is a game that's like, I don't know, man. It's like when it when it when it's right, it's so right. It's so cool. The stuff you can do and the ways you can like be smart and outsmart people and thwart people and. Oh, there's so many ingenious little things, and I think the environmental destructibility adds like this really cool uh, aspect. But it's one of these games that, like, you know, it's it's team dependent. It's dependent on your team. It's dependent on your connection. It's dependent on uh, so many things that, like, you can as easily have a crap match as you can have a good one. So I'm not I'm not sure how it's going to work out. I don't know. Have you guys played it at all? I haven't. This doesn't seem like a game I'm gonna like. Um, I I played it at an event long ago, and um, I you know the Rainbow Six games have a have a warm place in my heart from back in the day when it was sort of the the go to squad based thing. I played a bunch of God, one of them whose name I can't even remember right now. A Rainbow Vegas. Vegas, yeah, probably Vegas, yeah. Yeah. I feel like Vegas was a big one on the early 360 in terms of multiplayer and like team chat and that kind of excitement. Totally. You nailed it. Uh, the Vegas was, was the one. And I knew all the maps and we had a great time. This just does not seem like my jam at all. Um, but I'm, I, you know, people say it's amazing. So I'm glad to hear that. Christian, how about you? Is this kind of your, your jam? No, I, mean, I, I respect what they're doing, but it's not... Um... There's so much else competing for my attention in terms of the shooter space, and I know this is supposed to be a little more tactical, but um, 
I'm not the biggest Ubisoft supporter in terms of I'll wait a bit with almost every Ubisoft game. I like a lot of what they put out. I love the Rayman games. Um, but this is a, this is definitely a wait and see. And I feel like coming out in December, it, it really puts it in the February $35 pickup for me instead of I need to play it right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that might be a good move, uh, especially, yeah, with, man, so, so much on the platter right now. And their beta, their, I don't know about this the release, but their beta was littered with problems in terms of connectivity. If you're excited for this game, go buy it. I'm not trying to say, you know, put out a do not, do not buy order. I haven't played it, obviously. These are just how I feel about it. But I feel like there's enough red flags for this and Just Cause right now where I'm like, I don't need to dive in. Where sometimes the fanboy gets the better of me and it's like, Arkham Knight, buy it. <laughs> it has yep. dumb Batmobile stuff. I don't care. I'm wearing a bat a Batman towel right now. <laughs> but these franchises don't don't do that for me. I'm yeah, excited for uh, Just for- Cause. I, I, we'll be talking about it next week for sure. But I, I'm curious, Chris, if you or anybody in your office has has run into some of the weird problems that Christian's referring to. Uh, you know, a lot of that. I think the because of the review timing, a lot of people have been grinding on their Just Causes and their Rainbow Sixes uh, to the extent that they can over the Thanksgiving break. So I haven't seen too much of it in action. What I have seen of Just Cause is just like people flying around with that wingsuit parachute combo, just doing bonkers stuff, like slingshotting cows between trees, and it just looks like utter magical mayhem. <laughs> uh, you utter being the U D D E R, right? <laughs> <laughs> naturally, Jeff. Naturally. <laughs> uh, both of you guys have been playing more Battlefront, and I'm still in that. I, you know, I was traveling over the holiday. So last week, last week's dilemma that I brought up on the show about do I get this game or do I not get this game is still not settled for me. So where where do you sit, Chris? I, people are like, I, either I love this game or I loved this game for 10 minutes and then I didn't want to play it anymore. So where do you fit on that spectrum? Do you have like a friend who has it or like a rental service that you use? Because, <laughs> you know, maybe you just want to play it. Try that out. I don't know. So this is my thing with Battlefront. This game, like, looks incredible. It's one of the games, and, you know, not just because it, like, objectively their snow looks very, very good, but also because of the way that they have, like, gotten Star Wars so right uh, in terms of the visuals. And that's something you can appreciate just sort of watching videos of it, but it's also, and, like, the sounds, like, that whole landscape for me is has made an impact in a world where, like, I don't know, like, not not a lot of games I play, I'm like, damn, those graphics, you know, like... A lot of games just look pretty great, but this one has like has like gets me a little bit. I think that's part of the reason it lures me back. Um, in terms of the actual gameplay, like uh, sometimes I have a good time with it, and sometimes I'm like, this is pretty shallow, and like I don't have a lot of control over you know how well I do because there's like some kind of skill ceiling. But to me, with multiplayer shooters, there's kind of an adjustment that needs to happen for me mentally when I get into playing them. Like I need to sort of recalibrate like what my idea of a good play session is. Like, if I'm dying a lot, like, that can be frustrating. But if it's the type of game in which you, like, just kind of die a lot and I adjust my expectations, then, like, I get that dialed in, then I can have a much better time. I feel like I don't have this one quite dialed in, which is weird because a lot of the criticisms of it are not, are that it's, like, the skill ceiling isn't super high and, like, you know, there's there's only so much you can do. But at the same time, it's I'm sort of, having trouble figuring out like how much I should like be upset when I don't have a great time or just really need to like understand that that's not the way it works. Hmm. Jeff, what uh, are you doing right after this show? I will game share it with you. So you only get 720p or whatever, but 
sit down and play with it for a while. And and, and I think. Well, I mean, I played the beta, and uh, you, you you and I played the beta together, and you saw how that went. <laughs> yeah, so you don't need it. I mean, it's the type of thing I own it digitally, and I think it's the exact right way to own that game for a huge Star Wars fan uh, that likes also likes first person shooters because. I kept playing it more over Thanksgiving because I was in Austin and my brother-in-law was there and even my uh, father-in-law. It was like, you need to see this. And then they were like, whoa, that's crazy. And I was like, yeah, play uh, like the easy thing mode was uh, the flight, the squadron, uh, squadron fighter, fighter squadron, whatever mode. Because that's just flying around and shooting stuff. And there's tons of bots. They're like, this is crazy. And I'm like, isn't it crazy? And then they left and I kept (laughs) playing for two more hours just thinking like, this is crazy. <laughs> and that's all it is. That's that's it's all crazy. it is. But that's all it needs to be. You know, I buy gum uh several times a month and I chew the piece for two minutes and then throw it away. And I'm like, that was worth it. And you're like, this is crazy. <laughs> this gum is crazy. Yeah. Yeah, it's like bubblicious, right? It's so good. And then you're like, Well, that was worthless. But like in that moment, it's crazy. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh. It, it's hard for me because I know I will enjoy some of it and I will enjoy looking at stuff. And the first time I get on a speeder bike, I'm going to be like, squee! But I I don't know. I just uh, – I, I, there was one mode. I feel like the horde mode thing isn't robust enough from what I've been hearing because that, that was a blast in the in the beta, but I just – there wasn't enough of it. And I feel like everybody's telling me that there's also not enough of it in the full release. It seems like they've cast the net pretty wide in terms of actual modes, but none of the modes have like a deep enough sort of like not like there's maybe four maps per mode or something like that. And that's not exactly right. But like the the, the modes are all sort of shallow pools. Like you're not going to just dive into Walker Assault and play that for five hours and be like, yeah, I, or at least that hasn't been my experience. You know, I play Walker Assault for a little bit, and I'm like, you know what? Like, uh, I need, I keep getting killed by vehicles. I need to like blast someone in the face up close. So I switch it over to like Droid Run or uh, you know, one of the capture cargo thing. Uh, I'm like, you know what? I'm not getting to play the hero enough. Then you switch over to to maybe a hero horde mode or something like that. So I feel like that's another thing that's like can work for it and can work against it, depending on what kind of mood you're in and what kind of what kind of player you are. I don't know, guys. This is I'm conflicted. There's so many other good things. I'm excited about Just Cause. I'm going to give that a shot next week. And, uh, you know, maybe go back and play some other things. I'm still not completely done with Fallout, so there's that sitting there. Uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm going to want to finish playing through Darksiders Definitive Edition. Um, it's, it's an awesome little gem that I have, too. I don't know. Uh, I'll tell you what I have been playing this week, and it's mostly because I was traveling. The hardest thing these days is to be able to bring something on a plane and play it not connected to the internet. Uh, and uh, so your chances, your your selection is pretty slim on games that do that nowadays. But I did find a great one that I could play on a laptop, didn't require a lot of twitchy, you know, I could be distracted, I could have to stop and tell the, the stewardess what my drink order was going to be, you know, that kind of thing. And that game is a turn-based game. I don't have to worry about if I, you know, I get distracted or whatever. That is low system requirements. I can turn the system requirements down. It's no big deal. And it doesn't need the internet. And that game that I found was Hard West. Uh, oh. This is that uh, that XCOM kind of game, but done in the Old West. But it's not really the Old West. I mean, it is the Old West, but it's also like the... the it's like Weird de- West, right? Yeah, it's Demon Old West. It's It's full of magic and demons and you're fighting demons a lot, um, which is cool. I'm, I'm down for that. 
but it's not really like, you know, Red Dead Redemption XCOM style. Uh, and it's actually, it's got a lot of kind of role-playing game elements to it as well, which don't, aren't particularly well done. There's some cool stuff like the way you can outfit your guys, your team, your squad. You've got these deck of playing cards that give them all different attributes. So it's not like you're getting a specific class of character like you would in XCOM. It's that you outfit the dudes you got with specific skill set from these cards. So you can kind of turn them into whatever class you need, which is, which mm-hmm. is pretty cool. Um, it doesn't have a mid-mission save, which drives me bonkers. Because uh, I love my quick saves, but that uh, probably messes up your airplane game too, man. I mean, you know exactly, yeah. Um, <laughs> but you know it, th- what it does well? It does really, really well, and that's the sort of XCOMy turn-based strategy shoot mechanic. The you know m- have a scenario, have demons and or other cowboys coming at me, and moving my dudes around and trying to flank them and shoot them and not die. All understand that their is... abilities and capabilities, you know. Yeah, exactly. Uh, it does all that really, really well. And it's actually a really pretty game, too. Um, it's just like between missions, you're given these weird giant blocks of text that result in sort of strange te- uh, strange dialogue options that don't really have much impact. And you're sort of going from these hubs to hubs and reading a bunch of text and then clicking on one of the other things and it doesn't seem to really impact terribly what's going on in the game when you make one decision or another and you have this mining empire that you start up at the beginning and I don't know it it just all of that kind of feels a little not fleshed out it doesn't it doesn't add you know how in XCOM the managing of your base is almost just as exciting as the fights oh yeah not the case here. Uh, the fights are are really what you come for, and that other stuff you just sort of have to endure on on your way toward more fights. But uh, but it's pretty cool if you're itching for that turn based strategy game, and and you know XCOM two isn't isn't quite out yet. Uh, I think this is pretty cool, and it's I think it's only forty bucks, so it's it's a not a full sixty dollar game, and uh, it was a perfect plain game for me for a while. Um, I dug it. I've had a. I have a friend who's been playing it since uh, since release, and he's been really enjoying it. Uh, though he's been on this like weird West kick, he's also been playing a lot of uh, the card game Doomtown. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, I I imagine that you know what what that is all about, but uh, he's he's sort of definitely a, a strategy minded kind of guy, and has has definitely been digging some hard West. It's on the PC. Yeah, on Steam. Um, Christian, what about you? What else have you been playing? Oh, I uh, was battlefronting and then spent more time in, in Metal Gear Solid Five as um, you know faves of the year time is quickly approaching, and I think now I'm maybe 22 hours into the game, and it still it still feels like I'm you know at the top of this iceberg, and I really 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 like this game still, but I I do find you know people that know me know that I love a game like Rise of the Tomb Raider, Uncharted, Last of Us, God of War, where uh, it doesn't need to be the best narrative ever. Certainly God of War was me angry, me kill everything. But it like has a narrative that kind of pulls you back. Oh, you mean like every and, Metal Gear Solid game up till now? Yes. yeah, exa- Yes. Metal Gear Solid 4, loved it. Um, Snake Eater, maybe the best plot, I think, in my opinion, of the Metal Gears. And um, this game is, is, I think, the best playing Metal Gear game ever. And I love it when I play it, but when I put it away and, and, you know, when I went to Rise of the Tomb Raider, at no 
part was the back of my head going, yo, dog, you got to get back to Metal Gear. Whereas when I'm playing, when I, when I would play Metal Gear or Fallout or whatever and I hadn't finished Tomb Raider, Tomb Raider was like, hey, Laura's still out there. <laughs> you don't know what's going on in that in that tomb. Is it a is it a water puzzle or a, a elevator puzzle? And I'm like, good point, Tomb Raider. I got to get back. And so it's this weird push and pull of this game that I love, and I'm pretty sure is going to be pretty high on on a list, depending on how many we get to talk about on our list. Um, but I just it's really really weird. This and Chris or Jeff, do you guys struggle with this? Where it's like clearly one of your favorite games, but when you're not playing it, it's out of sight, out of mind. I don't know another way to kind of put it, but that's where I am with Metal Gear right now. Yeah, I've been having that kind of dilemma this year with The Witcher Three, mm. uh, which at, it's it's slightly that it's like I sit down and I'm like, all right, let me get revved up. I got a little session. Ooh, Rocket League, you know, like it's <laughs> like like seriously it like jumps to the forefront of my mind uh because i think about it almost every day because i'm playing with people and whatnot uh but it also i think and i'm not tell me if uh you think this is part of your metal gear solid as well is like when you get out of a game like that for like five days seven days to go back into it like there starts to accrue this kind of like rusty feeling where you go back in and you're like yeah but maybe i'm not gonna like know which like weapon i was working on or like which mission i was going to try to take on like that kind of like you have to like kind of break the you know crust off of your brain uh you know perceived or imagined uh and then uh get back into it that's i suffered from that heavily with the witcher 3 yeah and it snowballs right It, it, it gets worse the longer you do it and and you feel like oh my god i really have to relearn all these systems now and all the stuff that the game has been teaching me up to this point, I've totally forgotten and I just feel adrift and I don't even know where I'm going. And <clears throat> there's this weird save that I have that I was in the middle of a quest and I don't even remember the context. And yeah, uh, that has hit me a lot with Metal Gear Solid Five. The other thing that I was thinking about in regards to Metal Gear Solid Five, because I was playing Rise of the Tomb Raider is one of the things I really love about Rise of the Tomb Raider is how it handles stealth and there, you know, there isn't a button to push to go into stealth. It's just when you hide, you're in stealth. If you're if you walk into thick brush where you they wouldn't see you, the game knows that you're hiding. If you walk behind something, the game knows you're hiding. You don't have to like instigate stealth, which is pretty cool. Mm-hmm. And I was also thinking that in Rise of the Tomb Raider, when I'm in stealth, I feel super powered. I feel like I've got them. And in Metal Gear Solid Five, when I'm in stealth, I feel super vulnerable. I feel like, oh my god, at any time they could find me and ruin this and I have to start over. And oh my god, I'm terrified and I kind of don't want to be doing this right now because it makes me nervous. <laughs> and I, and I, I find really honestly that's where I draw the line on stealth games. Games like Dishonored, where when I'm stealthing, it's, it makes me feel more powerful and awesome. Or in Deus Ex is like that as well. And even Fallout is like that, where when I'm engaged in stealth, it's because I've decided I want to be awesome. And in, you know, in the, uh, the, um, oh, it's the uh, Tom Clancy Splinter Cell. In the Splinter Cell games, in uh, Metal Gear Solid games, in a lot of stealth games, stealth is like because you're a trapped mouse and all the cats are around. And I don't like that feeling. It, it it makes it hard for me to go back to those games because I'm so tense all the time. But that's the feeling. That's what they want. Right? I know. I mean, it, I think that's very intentional of this. I, I don't know. I think that's what stealth is. I agree. In Tomb Raider, 
I don't know if I feel like a badass when I'm in stealth. I think the difference is for me is you know that if you get caught, one, the level's not going to give you a stealth rating at the end of it. So that's playing with you in the back of your head. Right. And two, you don't ever need to be stealthy. I mean, I, I walk into a room and I'm just like triple arrows, AK-47, uh, explosion, boom, boom, boom. Uh, and now I'm going to use a climbing claw in this guy's throat, explosion in the background as I walk away not looking at it. And in Metal Gear, I'm like, okay, I'm in stealth. There's two guys over there, one guy in a tower. This is going to be, oh, crap, one guy saw me, I'm dead. Oh, dang it. <laughs> it's right. just like you can't, you can shoot your way out of a, of a situation, but not in the same, not with the same gravitas that, that Lara can in, in Tomb Raider. And I think it's just intentional, but it does. It gives you that. Like when you quit, when I quit playing, like my shoulders are curled forward. I'm like <laughs> right. in like a nervous fetal position. <laughs> What, what do you, and yeah. sometimes you want to engage in that. Sometimes you want to be like, all right, I'm queued up for it. Let me do this. But other times, eh, not so much. Well, where do you fit on that spectrum, Chris? Are you, are, do you enjoy that feeling of like I overcame overwhelming odds because I'm awesome, because I'm smart, or I'm in stealth and therefore I am a god and they don't see their death coming to them? <laughs> uh, I, hmm. I feel like if... I'm going to overcome odds and feel smart, which is something I like to do. I don't I don't want it to feel like a house of cards that's going to if it, there's the slightest breeze, it all goes to crap and it's over. Like and I think this is one thing that I ended up liking about Metal Gear Solid 5 cuz I kind of came around on it was I'm going to try stealth here, but if they start seeing me and shooting me, Sweet, I'm calling in the helicopter. I'm 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 gonna blast these dudes' faces off. I'm throwing grenades out. You know, I'm going crazy. Like, if I then that's not something that like that's something that like with the more recent Splinter Cell games, for example, that's sort of um you know they kind of juiced up Sam Fisher that whole mark and execute thing. Like that felt really good, but I also felt like you know if it went wrong, I had recourse. I I don't. The idea of like sort of doing a perfect stealth playthrough and like trying again and again to to do that has not really appealed to me um, in Metal Gear. Uh, so yeah, eh, I just want I just want a way out. I want some recourse. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, Rise of the Tomb Raider does that as uh, very well as uh, also that when the S hits the F, you know, I also have lots of other options and the the shooting I think is just excellent in that game. I, I can't say enough good things about it. I'm it's so fun. Um. All right. Is that? Uh, I think you have. So, sorry, quickly. I think you have a way out in Metal Gear. It's just a different way out. Oftentimes, it's running and regrouping and maybe respecting your character to go in more aggressive. Because I think Metal Gear, over whatever the seven games or eight games, counting you know the portable titles, they've taught you that you want to use your Trank gun and you want to level up to get your Trank sniper rifle. And then you load out with a Trank gun, a Trank sniper rifle, and maybe an AK-47 that you haven't specced up. And then you get busted and you have a cardboard box and a flashbang and a smoke grenade. And you're like, well, this isn't going to work. And it feels but like a failure. Build- it feels like a failure when that happens. But that's because – but there's nothing stopping you from getting a rocket launcher, right. specking up your AK, uh, don't even have a suppressor on it because who cares? And – just going going crazy but i feel like the games the the franchise has taught you that that's not the way and then after you beat the level it'll give you the rank of dog which is weird because you did it wait isn't a dog a good thing in metal gear wait i'm confused (laughs) a diamond dog is a good thing a regular (laughs) dog I, i think is a boring thing unless you put an eye patch on it then it's awesome again um 
I, re- I think it was, I think we talked about this before, but I think it was Patrick Klepek. I could be wrong, misattributing. Hopefully I'm not. But, you know, just writing about, I didn't like Metal Gear until I learned to just be okay with whatever happens. Mm-hmm. And that really is freeing. But again, it will never be the game, I think, where you're sitting back on your couch with your feet up on the ottoman and like one hand chugging a mountain dude is going like yahoo here we go mofo or whatever you're it's not that game whereas um that is you've watched my let's plays i see yes (laughs) (laughs) yeah i just never i you know i don't know i'm kind of belaboring this point i guess but i I, there's never a time in fallout or in tomb raider where they spot me out of stealth and i go oh i guess i gotta reload my save but it happens all the time with metal gear and I, i don't know if that's on me or if that's the game communicating something to me. I can't wait for our uh, end of the year discussion, Jeff. It's gonna, and I think, spoilers, right? I think we're going to try to do a game of show where we kind of yeah, put points Im- on our games. As impossible as that may sound to everyone who knows us. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to try to con- c- come together and pick one game that represents the show. I'm just going to find the version of Tetris that was released this year. <laughs> <laughs> Unequivocally. The... <laughs> Uh, all right, dudes. Um, uh, let's uh, let's jump into tabletop time, shall we? Right now, right now. Last week, pre-Thanksgiving weekend, I sent a a mission out to our listeners to tell me about their uh, their tabletop time during the holiday period because people come together, families come together, and I was uh, going to be with my family, and there was going to be six of us that I was asking people for recommendations for what they might bring, and I was scouring my collection for games that I should bring to my, to my table, and uh, we got an awesome amount of feedback. I'm going to get to that in a second. But uh, Chris, I'm curious if you had any chance to play any tabletop stuff uh, over the holidays. Well, the tabletop gaming tradition in my wife's family uh, is one of cards. Mm. She grew up playing gin rummy and endless hours visiting with her grandmother. And so uh, the card game that has sort of now come to the fore uh, in that family uh, is guillotine. And I'm not sure if you guys have played that before. Well, You know, Jeff Green, when he was on the show, spoke very highly of this game as well. He liked it a lot. So odd. My wife's family name what? is Green. It all comes together. Follow the money. <laughs> yeah, so uh, your listeners will then have some familiarity with it. It's basically a, a French Revolution uh, sort of whimsical take on the horrible beheadings that were orchestrated during that. And you try to behead the smarmiest, most corrupt nobles and get them into your pile and use cards to manipulate the valuable ones to the front of the line and to deny the valuable ones to the other people. And all this stuff is like written right on the card. Uh, the sort of art on it is very appealing in this Disney-fied way. And uh, that's, it's like a, it's a really easy one to sort of, after the niece and nephew are in bed and everyone is super full from Thanksgiving meal to like try to, to just play a few rounds of and like have a few laughs. That's cool. Very cool. Um, yeah, Guitin is a, is, is a good one. I heartily recommend it. I think it's simple to teach, kind of fun and silly. If you're, if you're okay with the theme of, you know, beheading people. Uh, if anybody's not okay with that, then move on to something else. But uh, that game's pretty great. Um, anything else you had on your list? You know, I'm trying to remember if I spoke about this one last time I was on the show. I was going to look up the rundown. Um, but uh, Killing Dr. Lucky mm. is another is a board game one that we, I've, we have found some fun in uh, recently. 
Uh, and that is because it. So killing Doctor Lucky is basically like what happens before Clue, right. the board game. Uh, it's like there's this there's this old rich dude, and he has been murdered. Okay, well, in killing Doctor Lucky, you're the one trying to murder him. Right. You are you are following him around his mansion as he automatically goes, and you're pulling out, you're drawing cards that are weapons and drawing cards that will help you get him in a room alone so that you can make your murder attempt and. Everyone's trying to kill him, and you're not going to be able to kill him on the first try because everyone has their cards to thwart you. Uh, but if you, if you, every time you try to kill him, you get a spite token because you, you're like that much more angry at him that you missed killing him that one time. <laughs> so you're going to be even angrier and even more determined next time. And so uh, the game is a really like fun, kind of morbid uh, game. Uh, morbid is a theme apparently in the board <laughs> games I've been enjoying lately. But it's also got like the board is very cool and you can tell you, you know, depending on how theatrical the people you're playing with are, you can tell little stories about like, you, you, okay, you're like the angry maid. What's your vendetta against Dr. Lucky? You're the old war buddy. What happened to make you want to kill him? And then, you know, tell your story about get him alone in the wine cellar with the big red hammer. How did that happen? Like it's, it's a pretty fun one. Awesome. So those are guillotine and killing Dr. Lucky. Uh, Excellent selections. Christian, I, Imagine you had the chance to play a little tabletop over the holiday as well, no? We, uh, I've talked about it before. We dove back into Splendor. It's been an in-law fave. It's been a, an easy go-to. And I think this is the year um, the music died. Um, no! The crashed. I don't know what happened. We played three games, and I know the game recommends uh, a loadout. Um, or a, a, the, the game, you are playing with cards, and each card has a power, and you're trying to amass money, taking it from other people and or the bank based on your power and it's kind of like a a more intricate version of the old card game bs where you can bluff who you are and try to use a power You're talking about masquerade not splendor oh, did i say splendor i meant masquerade splendor yeah. they still everybody loves splendor who doesn't love splendor um no masquerade goodness gracious sorry masquerade the game is masquerade that is how it's played and we ended up in like three stalemates where it was like it probably would have ended but we got bored of the loadout that they tell you to do with four players. So we were like, let's put the witch in. The witch is always fun. And it became like, I take two from you. You take two from me. Okay. <laughs> so Masquerade huh. is done. And Splendor, yes, Splendor is 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 the new go-to in-law game. That's why I had them confused. Um, simple, easy to get into, quick, quick playable, and... Um, if you walk away from it for a year and don't play until next Thanksgiving, you're not spending an hour going, and here's how you play. It's it's the unmetal gear of board games. <laughs> yeah. Which quest was I on again? How was it? How do I? Yeah. What What is this? Where Where did Aunt Betty and I stand in terms of? <laughs> right. Oh <laughs> uh, yes, Blender came up a lot in emails from people suggesting games to play. I think it only plays up to four though, so it, it really didn't hit my. My criteria for this year, um, but we got some really cool emails. Dave Brown from Oxford said that he was telling some of his experience. He said last Christmas he introduced his family to Pandemic, which was the first what he calls meaty board game. Uh, back to meat for you, just for you, Chris. Um, meaty. He said they were uh, pre- previous to that they only played games like Pictionary, but uh, that Pandemic was a huge hit. And so this year he uh, he brought out Concept and Love Letter which is pretty cool. Um, John from France, first of all, first two people on the list, uh, not even celebrating the American holiday, but I love that they still wrote in. Uh, He said uh, he doesn't celebrate Thanksgiving, but 
Um, when he gets his family together, he plays Citadels, uh, which is a game I own. It is excellent. Uh, it plays, I think, up to eight players. Uh, it's a lot like Masquerade in the sense that every player gets a different role. This is a Bruno Fiduti game as well. And um, you have different powers based on your role. And it plays quickly and it plays up large groups of people. Didn't really work with my group, or at least I didn't consider it for my group, I should say. I haven't tried it. But uh, I just felt like the uh, the theme with the sort of building a castle and that stuff, it, it might have alienated my in-laws. I don't know. Maybe I don't give them enough credit. But I, didn't, I did not choose Citadels. Um, <laughs> Kevin. <laughs> go ahead. Go ahead, Christian. No, I think it's funny. I, I'd love to see that, like, inventory where you're like, mm, dude, I love you, but you're so stupid. L- spend so much time. No, it's not stupid. It's just spend so much time. Like, I, you know, I get a... Very few opportunities to introduce board games, so I don't want to screw it up, right? I don't want to introduce something and be like, they'd be like, oh, this is what he spends his time doing? You know? Oh, yeah, man. Hey, All it takes- Why has Jeff just been standing over there in the corner with his eyes kind of slowly twitching back and forth? Oh, he's deciding which board game, Mom. Don't worry yeah, about it. He'll be out in an hour. Oh, and all it's going to take is two involved ones to, you know, next holiday, it's like, oh, Jeff's going to roll it out. Yeah. Let's get the encyclopedias out. Everyone exactly. get comfortable. Yeah. We I have bring three my calculator. Days. Yeah. yeah, that's a running joke waiting to happen. Right. Uh, here's, here's a suggestion from Kevin who suggested he, – evidently he and his family like to lie to each other. Uh, Kevin says uh, he's, he was planning on playing Sheriff of Nottingham, Resistance, and King of Tokyo. So two of three of those involve bold-faced lying to people <laughs> during the holidays. Um, Christian, you've played both of, uh, Sheriff of Nottingham and Resistance, right? Yes. And how do you, how would you feel about uh, the old uh, lie to your family games during the holidays? You think that's a smart way to go? That is a safe way to go. Oh man, I wish I knew this question was coming. There's there's a game, and it's much more of a party game in the vein of um, oh god, how does celebrity this... or something? Yeah, well, what? Yes, in terms of like, there's not really any strategy, but the way the basic game works, and if someone remembers the name. Thank you in the chat, or if not, I'll tweet it out later if I can think of it. But you're basically you sitting around with a group of people, and it 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 asks the hard questions from Truth or Dare, where it's just the hard truth, where it's like you know if if a space shuttle a spaceship was leaving right now and you had to leave one person behind, who True Colors I think is the name of the game. Who would you leave behind? And like you know everybody has a color, and then you you just put in the card for that color. So like let's say I'm blue. Everybody decides just, to leave you me behind. You find out that everyone would leave you behind? That's the yes, fun? It's a in, f- hilarious game where you find out who hates you. Yes, and you don't know who says who because <laughs> you're just putting cards in. And not all the questions are that pressing, but it's like, you know, if if someone, if you smelled a fart right now, who would you think it is? And you put in... <laughs> oh, God. I played that with my in-laws and extended family, and, like, there was straight up, like, feelings were hurt, man, because every we were all coupled off except for two brothers did not have their significant others there. And so everybody <laughs> everybody picked their significant other. Like if, I think the question was if you were going to be on a desert island or whatever, a desert island, who would you pick? And we all everybody picked their significant other and then one brother picked the other at that get together single brother cuz thinking that that brother would then pick him cuz they had <laughs> would pair up. But then the other brother also picked me. <laughs> So the one brother, wife. <laughs> the one brother was just like, you know, what the heck, Brad? We were supposed to pick each other. And he's like, why would I pick you? You know, Christian has an Eagle Scout or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> oh. We never played it again after that. I, I'm pretty sure it's called True Colors. The game, what a disaster. And if people are drinking, oh, my God. It's like if, Cards yeah. Against Humanity, but like ending friendships. <laughs> if you If you think the holidays don't have enough arguing, 
Try, try <laughs> yeah. A um, couple of other great ones. Uh, this is an email from Steven, who is the only person who suggested several games, none of which I've played. He was the only person that su- had a huge list of games, and I was like, man, I haven't played any of those, and it really made me mad um, because they're all games I'm familiar with. I just haven't had a chance to play them. Uh, he suggested The Duke, which is a game that's like like chess but adds new rules. You have these tiles that add new rules to chess, and that's pretty cool. I don't think that you can play six with it, but I, I could be wrong. Uh, and he suggests 8-Minute Empire and 8-Minute Empire Legends. There's a whole 8-Minute um, line of games, which are are really not honest, because I, from what I understand, having not played them, they take more than 8 minutes every time. <laughs> none, none of these games actually can be completed in 8 minutes, but they're relatively short. Um, so I haven't played either of those. He also suggests Viticulture, which is a cool uh, game about being a winemaker uh, that I've heard good things about. It's pretty complicated. It's a, it's a Euro-style game, but I haven't tried that yet either. And he says Tiny Epic Galaxies, which is a, the Tiny Epic line, uh, sort of similar to these micro games. Uh, none of those games I've played. So uh, good good on him for picking out stuff that I haven't had a chance to try yet, but I've heard good things about all of them. Can it be true? I know. I, know, right? I, I say that like, them? I've played everything. No, there's a lot of stuff I've played. <laughs> I don't mean it like that. But I, I just, you know, usually there's a list, at least one or two of them I've played. Oh, yeah. Um, this is a cool email from Jesse who says, uh, uh, after his family was primed, he jumped straight into Mysterium. And his pitch was that it was a more esoteric version of Codenames. He had played Codenames with them previously. Uh, Codenames is a, a game that came up over and over again. And uh, certainly is an excellent choice for for that. He said it, he pitched them uh, that it was code names meets Clue, and he said it was a definitely a little rocky starting out, especially since he played the ghost, which meant that the person explaining the game was now not supposed to talk to anyone. So that was tricky. Uh, he says, but they warmed up to it about halfway through, and by the time we finished the game, they quickly asked to play again. It turned out to be a pretty big hit, and by the end of the evening, even my eleven year old cousin took a turn as the ghost. So uh, so evidently his 11-year-old is better at being the ghost than you are, Christian. That's what I interpret. Uh, his 11-year-old had, had to play with you, who clearly didn't understand that it was Integrity Marge, it was, or whatever the Simpsons reference is. <laughs> I do not blame my skills as ghost tip giver. I blame your skills. If anyone, everyone should play this game with Jeff. Jeff, this should be a, a Patreon reward for We Have Concerns or something like that, <laughs> where you play this game with people via Skype, because you look at something, you see a clear pattern, and then Jeff... Not only does Jeff not see the clear pattern, but he talks out everyone else playing that clearly sees the pattern. Like, oh, it's, he's Christian's doing this as the ghost. And Jeff's like, no, 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 no. Look at this. Look at this. The bottom of this corner of this card, there's a greasy fingerprint that Christian left there when he was holding it. <laughs> it ties over to this one where this is actually a stone, but it's in the shape of a bag of french fries from McDonald's. And if you look at this picture from NASA of Mars, this rock looks like a rat. Jeff, why are you looking at pictures of Mars? Stay with me here. Clearly what Christian is saying is... He's yeah. tired. I'm smart. That's what I'm doing. I'm just outsmarting you, Christian. I'm outsmarting the clue giver. Smart, smart, smart. So the final one I'll bring up is uh, an email that was sent from Rod Woodman, who suggested the game I actually chose to bring. Uh, actually, we played a lot of dominoes there because my in-laws are really into dominoes. And, you know, those old classic games, uh, Chris, you talked about card games. Card games are great. I don't have anything against them. Dominoes is awesome. I love anything that we do around a table. I'm all for except Monopoly. But, um... But, you know, th- there's nothing wrong with that. But Rod Woodman suggested the game that I actually brought, which is called For Sale. Uh, I think I've brought that up before. 
it, it is definitely not as heavy as some of the games I was considering bringing. I was talking about bringing uh, Power Grid, which I would have done, except the Power Grid is gigantic and wouldn't fit in my luggage. Uh, but For Sale is is small in size, easy to teach. It's actually a really fun game to teach because it's got two phases, and you only have to teach the first phase first, and you can have people play that first phase, and when you get to the second phase, you can say a really fun thing, which is like, now we get to do this. And so it's all about, like, you you buy up these properties, and in the second phase, you resell them and try to flip them for money. Really cool game, and I thought it worked great because... Um, my brother-in-law is an investment banker, so I felt like this was like right up his alley. Uh, I yeah. wish I had been able to bring Acquire, but I don't own Acquire. I have to still Acquire Acquire, but I think he would love that game. But uh, For Sale was a big hit, and Rod Woodman uh, had a great suggestion to bring it. Um, so I highly recommend that one. Great, easy game to teach. Small in size. It's just basically just two decks of cards. You can pack into your luggage easily, and uh, it is my favorite game to teach because of that fun thing where you... Everybody first does this auction style bid to buy up these properties and it's really fun. And then when you're done with that, you're like, oh, that everybody's like, oh, that was fun. And you go, ha ha ha. There's still another thing where we now we have to sell those properties. And they're like, oh, my gosh. Uh, it's very cool. That is for sale. All right, guys, uh, that is going to do it for this episode of DLC. Stay tuned. We still have our parting gift to give you. But I have to thank Chris Waters for being here. Chris, dude, congratulations on your book. And thanks for stopping by to hang out with us for a little while after Thanksgiving. Oh, Jeff, Christian, you guys are great. This has been a real fun time. Always great to chat with you. And uh, yeah, thanks again for the congratulations on the book. I really yeah, well, it. tell people where they can find that and where they can keep up with your other exploits. Sure. Yeah, you guys go ahead and just look on Amazon for the Gamer's Bucket List. Uh, alternatively, follow me on Twitter. My uh, Twitter handle is ctwaters, C-T-W-A-T-T-E-R-S. And... Uh, the link is in my description, uh, and also I do hell of good tweets, so you know that's a good destination. Uh, and you know hey, NorCal, maybe. baby, NorCal represent. <laughs> I also am hoping to convince uh, Jeff to maybe put a link to the book in the podcast description or something. Happy so to. maybe it'll even be right there. Happy to, happy to. So you can check that out. I will put the link in the podcast description uh, as soon as that goes up. Yeah, Christian, you already mentioned you're going to be somewhere. San Francisco, was it? Where was it? Uh, yeah, I'll be doing San Francisco, doing a guest set at Cinecave, which is that Lost, Lost Weekend video in the mission of in, in the City on December 5th, if you're in that area. And then um, the best way to get in touch with me is Twitter. It is at Spicer. I do, I've been consistent, pretty consistent Twitch streaming on Thursdays. It's been weird this holiday with like shifting the time. It's usually 1.30 Pacific, um, but sometimes I need to shift because I'm on the road or traveling or whatever. Um, last week's was playing some Battlefront, and holy moly, I was getting wrecked in uh, single-player horde mode with these TIE Fighters and ATSTs, but you can watch that. It's twitch.tv slash Christian Spicer. And then Stuart Noct, who you might know from Cheap Ass Gamer, him and I do a silly little 20- to 30-minute podcast called Uninformed Opinions, where we usually just talk about something geeky and see where it goes. Last week's episode, we... Uh, Dove into the first two episodes of Jessica Jones, if you're watching that. And I think before mm. that, we talked about Supergirl. And it just got a full season pickup. So if you're excited about that, uh, we kind of say why we like it but don't love it. And uh, and then Pack South. You mentioned it. But we're going to be at Pack South the end of January doing a live DLC. So tell your friends. Yeah, that I'm is. on that Jessica that is, Jones, man. Oh, yeah, Jessica Sorry. Jones. Very, very good. Yeah. 
Um, but yes, that uh, that will be Friday, I'm told. I don't know what time on Friday yet, but there are Friday passes available for PAX South. So if you're going to be in that area at the end of January, come hang out with us. We uh, It's going to be a fun time. It's always great uh, to do a live show. We'll probably have some, some cool guests and stuff. We're still lining all that up, but you'll hear about that as we approach. But get your tickets now, man. Get, 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 get excited. We're excited. Um, also, uh, why not check out some of the other things that I do, including the Slash Filmcast at SlashFilmcast.com. We're going to be reviewing Creed and The Good Dinosaur this week. Uh, both I have very strong opinions about, so I'm excited to talk to the guys about those. And uh, the, We Have Concerns. Very special episode of We Have Concerns that came out today, which is Monday, uh, November 30th. We, In light of the attacks that happened in Colorado, uh, Anthony and I talked about it, and we had an episode uh, featuring stand-up comedian Brock Wilbur back in August where he talked about volunteering at Planned Parenthood, and it was an, a patron-only episode. But we felt like it was important enough that people should hear it. I think it's funny. I think it's fun. But it also is extremely informative. If you're curious about this, the topic, Brock has been doing it his whole life. Or not his whole life, I should say. Very recently in his life. But he has, it has affected his whole, whole life. Uh, and it's a very uh, powerful episode, in my opinion. I'm really proud that he was able to, to talk about it with us. Um, so check that out at wehaveconcerns.com as well. All right, guys, uh, let's wrap this episode up by getting to our parting gift. Hey, give us a suggestion of what to do this week. Give us a parting gift. This is your parting gift. Oh, Chris, do you have something to keep people occupied other than your book? To keep people occupied? The Gamer's Bucket List is available <laughs> now at Define Retailers Online. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, so uh, you mentioned Jessica Jones. i uh, really been enjoying that series on Netflix, another Netflix original that my wife and I have been really enjoying is Master of None. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't know if you guys have talked about this on the podcast before, but it's uh, Aziz Ansari and Alan Yang sort of co-created this thing, I believe. And it stars Aziz, uh, and it's it's a sitcom. It's like 30 minutes long, and each episode is, you know, sort of, uh, it's is funny. It in, involves like just like, kind of real situations. Like the situations don't get too crazy. But I think what the things I like about it are these: uh, a, it's like characters and relationships in a way that you don't necess- necessarily see them a lot on television, even in you know the sitcom era that has that brings us stuff like uh, Fresh Off the Boat on major networks. Uh, it's a diverse show. And also the way, like, the comedic pacing of this is not traditional. Uh, it feels, like, uh, a little subversive to the normal kind of sitcom thing. And we've seen sitcoms, like, uh, you know, go, like, totally wacky and go totally straight-laced formulaic. But this sits in, like, has a really modern sensibility that I really enjoy uh, in terms of uh, just, like, the pacing of things. Like, vignettes don't have to be linked together through a narrative you can have them walking on the street and talking about one thing. Then you can have them like in a coffee shop talking about something that's kind of related, but maybe it's not. But then maybe they're talking about something else. Like it feels a little disjo- like vaguely disjointed at first, but once you settle into it, which does not take very long because the the cast and writing is so good, uh, it's it just is so refresh. It's so fresh and so fun. Completely agree, man. I, I think that show is fantastic. It's also shot beautifully. It looks like a movie. Um, yeah, so. like a Woody Allen movie, yeah. like 
all the time. And I'm like, oh, man, how do they make New York look so good? New York's kind of a tough place to be in. So that's Master of None on Netflix. Christian, how about you? You got a parting gift? You hear me mention this uh, two or three times a year, and this is one of the times of the year where I will mention it. The other time is right around tax time, and then sometimes I throw it in just for fun somewhere else. Um, Donate to a charity. I don't care what charity you donate to. Um, Find one, pick one, do it, and give regularly. Your NPR station, whatever you're into. I'm a big fan of St. Jude's. I think they do good work. Uh, Nothing is perfect, but find your charity. Donate money because you say you're going to donate time, and you don't, but you can right now donate money to a charity and help make the world a better place. Well, mine's not going to be quite as altruistic. I'm going to talk a little bit about uh, a Black Friday deal that I got. Um, One of those stupid, goofy things. I got an email. I think it was from Groupon or somebody talking about their doorbuster deals. And I, 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 I bit hook, line, and sinker on something that I've wanted for a long time. And that is a Bluetooth speaker that works in the shower. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. If you are listening to us right now and you are not in the shower, you're missing out. Because uh, I now have the ability to listen to podcasts while I shower, which is something I've always wanted. Um, And it was like $10, (laughs) this thing called Aquasound. Uh, And I bit bit on it. It was, uh, you know, it's a cheap little piece of plastic. But it works. It works really, really well. And my, my shower time fun has been completely transformed. I can now uh, keep up on all the podcasts I love uh, in the shower. So I hope at least one of you <laughs> is listening to us fully naked in the shower right now. Uh, nothing would make me happier because that's how I listen to my podcast now. Um, so, yeah, it's called Aquasound. <laughs> it actually worked. Jeff, oh. Jeff, what are, what are your hands doing in the shower, and why are you listening to Marketplace? <laughs> oh, Marketplace, nothing gets me cleaner. Nothing gets me cleaner. <laughs> I'm Molly I'm Wood, just waiting for to... Kai Rizdal, and I will turn this right up. <laughs> oh, you're I'm just waiting about... to hear you raving about the waterproof microphone that you got, and then <laughs> oh, that suddenly understands all the falling water noises we've been hearing all episode. <laughs> ah, yes. Uh, just do, if I could do this podcast from there, and then you could enjoy it in there. It's a shower to shower. That would be amazing. My shower to your shower. That would be God. I would be living the dream. Man, you live in California. There's a drought. That's true. I can't shower. It's all a lie. I just sit in there with the water off, <laughs> listening to podcasts. But your speaker is safe in case. Yeah. Uh, all right, guys. That's going to do it for this episode of DLC. Thank you to Chris Waters and Christian Spicer. Thank you to Maggie and Dan and Hattie and all the folks at DL- or at uh, 5 by 5 Thank you for listening. I really appreciate it. Thanks to all the folks in the chat room for contributing to the show and everybody that sent in stuff to dlcfeedback at gmail.com. You make the show work, and we appreciate it. We will see you next week. Until then, think about what you put out into the world. Make it a better place.